Divorce is one of those things that as Christians, we don't advocate, but the reality is divorce happens and life has to continue. Welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegriff, and I am not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Today, I'm joined by Ryan Shortill. He is the founder of Dad's Organization. He is divorced. He is co-parenting. And while on his journey, he is aiming to help other dads too. Today, he shares his insight on fathering after divorce. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being with me. I'm happy to have you on the podcast today. Pleasure's all mine, sir. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from you. I know you've got a good perspective that I've wanted to have on this podcast for a while. So I'm looking forward to that. But you are with Dad's Organization. I want you to take a moment and just tell everyone listening what that's all about. Sure. You know, Dad's Organization is a fellowship of dads. Your only prerequisite is that you're in a fatherly role. You know, maybe an uncle has, has taken custody of a kid or whatnot, still a dad. Um, sure. And basically what we do is we meet once a month. And we get together in a bit of a fellowship in a confidential way. We usually start with an opener and then we do updates. And then from the updates, we figure out who's got maybe the biggest challenge or who's got what universal thing, like maybe many of us talked about aging parents. And then what we do is we'll do a deeper dive or a discussion around certain topics or a big change in someone's life. And then uh, we'll usually look at the forward meetings for the next five or six months. And, and then from that, we check in regularly. And ultimately, most of us have, you know, uh, people in our immediate circle that are already naturally resources. But what's nice about Dad's Org is everybody's there for the sole purpose of focusing on being the best father, the best, you know, uh, caregiver they can possibly be. That's cool. And it works. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it does. Uh, community is a very powerful thing. I talk about it a lot on the podcast when we get together with other people who are on the same journey that we are on and we link up with them and we try to do it together. We get so much further and we get way more done and turns out to be a lot easier on us as well. So I think that's a really cool thing. Now, where are you located? Currently I'm in San Diego, but born and raised in the great state of Dover, uh, Dover New Hampshire, live for your die up in the Northeast, uh, you know, going to Boston as a kid at the museums and things like that was really beautiful. But now okay. I'm down here raising my kids in Southern California and missing the fall, missing the trees. But, sure. you know, we do the best we can with the beach. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's not all bad. I mean, it's not Texas, but it's not it's not all bad. Um, right. So just for everyone listening, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about this again at the end of the episode. But for everyone listening here at the beginning, if anyone is interested in being a part of that monthly meetup that you do, uh, how can they learn more about Dad's organization? So first check us out at uh, dadsorg.com and there's also an info at dadsorg if you want to have some information. But basically what we typically say is get three or four dads together and just uh, get some pizzas and then we'll do a training with you and we'll show folks how to update. And then it's basically self-supporting. When you look at the power of AA or NA or some of these other uh, groups that have been around for a very long time, you know, it's they're in every city, they're in every town, and really there's there's dads that need help everywhere. 
And yeah. so if you're interested, we can pull together a group for you. We can begin the meetings. And then you can get that support and that mastermind you really need. It's shortening the learning curve. And a lot of guys don't feel like they have an outlet they can share their feelings. Maybe they go to a church. Maybe they go to confession and whatnot. But it's, it's just different when you hear someone say, I'm 46 years old and I've never opened up about this, which means they've yeah. been carrying the burden for a very long time. And some of the prompts that we do can be so moving that, that people, you know, are moved to tears. And at first they try to hide it. And we're like, man, just let it out. Like, you know, your yeah. dad passed away. It's okay. And giving people the permission to share in a way um, is really beautiful. So if you're interested in getting that kind of support, check out our website or all of our socials and reach out and we'll begin the process. It's, it's virtually free. It's only a hundred bucks a year. And that's just to cover, you know, the website and things like that, because I did it more so on a spiritual mission of support in ending generational trauma than, than just trying to find buddies to eat pizza with. You know, I've been solving problems as a business consultant and a longtime educator for decades. And as I became a parent, I realized there were some major issues in our society and in parenting. And I just rolled up my sleeves. I wasn't going to yeah. sit around. You know, I'm a self-starter. And if it was going to be fixed, I was going to be the one to do it. That's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat concept, a neat idea of getting people together. Again, community just in and of itself, it's such, it's such a remarkable thing. And it's so simple. And like you said, people sometimes feel underqualified as if they, you know, they don't have, they don't have it in them to get together with people. It doesn't, it doesn't take much. And especially when you're bringing dads together, like you alluded to, it's just, you're, talking about some of the hardships that you endure. You're talking about some of the stories that you have. You make mistakes and you have wins. And when dads and get together. Too. And another thing is yeah. the science is the data is saying a lot of men are losing their friendships. And, you know, I think they did, you know, 1990, there's like so many people that you felt like you could reach out and talk to. And then they did that same study and that percentage like drastically declined. So we're more connected all over the world, but we have less meaningful relationships. Right. And when you right. take into consideration, like I grew up in New England, I had all these great aunts and great uncles and all these different families. We were going to christenings, we we're going to first community, we we're doing all these things. But nowadays we're in a much more highly mobile society. People are working remote, living overseas, other parts of the country. My nearest relative is 3000 miles away. I can't drop my kid off at the aunt's house. And that's a whole new dimension. And then you have moms and dads both working two jobs, you know, and that's a whole new kind of thing that hadn't happened. Or I'll go to the park with the kids at 10 in the morning when they were young and it would be all dads. And I remember I circled up the dads. I say, hey, fellas, come on over here. They're like, what's up? I'm like, all of us are here at 10 in the morning. Did your dad ever, you know, raise you at 10 in the morning? They're like, no, no. I'm like, so what's your deal? It's like, oh, my wife's in biotech. She makes more than me. What's your deal? I was in an industry that just vanished. They're like, what's your deal? I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur and kind of build my schedule a little bit. And we all chuckled that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the, it, the whole familial structure looked completely different. Now it's right. dads at a park and their nearest relatives across the country for a lot. <laughs> you know, and that creates yeah. change. Sure. Sure it does. But I think it's still remarkable that men get together. When it, when it does happen, yeah, great things happen. And I, I, I would encourage people to do that, whether it's through dad's organization or however they need to do it, just get together. It can be very easy to do. Now, this isn't particularly 
isolated to fathers, but I have two other husbands, fathers that I am buddies with, and we are intentional about getting our families together. So the kids will typically go somewhere and we'll have a babysitter. And then as the couples, we'll go out and we might just play games somewhere else. We might go out to a restaurant, but we get out and we have a good time and we, we have a really dumb reason to get together, but it does make it a lot of fun. Uh, you know, when you get to be childish as an adult secretly, it, it is a really enjoyable thing. And so we have a funny little name for our group, but we get together at least once a month to celebrate a birthday. And since there are only six of us in 12 months, we can't always celebrate one of our own birthdays. So back in August, we celebrated my sister's birthday. Even though she was not there, we still had a cake made. Happy birthday, Amanda. And we ate it and we sent a picture and we sent it to her. And we're like, celebrating your birthday, which you could be here, even though she technically wasn't invited. But it was just a fun way for us to get together. And it's one of those little quirky reasons that keep us coming back together and together again. Yeah. And it's helpful and we grow and we learn and it's not always fun and games, but fun and games typically end up having a conversation that's meaningful and we all take something away from it. So long story short, highly recommend community for every dad listening. Even if it's just you getting pizza with another dad or another two dads or reaching out to dads that maybe you're not even particularly friends with in your opinion right mm -hmm. now, just reach out to them and extend the invitation because Great things happen when you form community. So highly recommend. That's exactly how Dad's Org started. Actually, I I cool. met with a friend and we were talking about life and we you know we did all the pleasantries and all the good stuff and I said all right well I guess I got to get going. He said all right and as I was leaving I turned back and I said hey Craig you know we just spent a lot of good time together but how are you really doing? And he and he looked at me and I said how are you really doing Craig? And he was like I'm not doing so good. This is hard, really hard. And I said, listen, man, as a single dad, I get it. You're a single dad. Why don't we meet in the park next week? Bring another single dad. So uh, at first, there was just four dads. And that initial facility, because I've been a professional facilitator all my life, I facilitated this meeting. And I said, wow, like, I had no idea. These guys, like, really needed this. You know, it's like doing CPR. You know, like, you really need it when you need it. Sure. And uh, I said, hey, guys, why don't we meet in two weeks? And if you want to, bring a friend. And then that next meeting, there's six, seven guys. Some of them were entrepreneurs. Some of them were married. Some of them were divorced. Some of them were thinking about divorce. Some of them were remarried and had a second set of kids. And all of a sudden, there is this cross-section of humanity right in front of me. And as one of the people was sharing, I just had this, in short, vision from God. And it kind of ran across like a ticker tape. And it just talked about building out the community and making sure that there's one in every city in the world. And this is what we needed. Um, because at the end of the day, in the movies and everything else, they like to put dads down or that we're oafish or that we're not capable of complex thought or feelings. And at the end of the day, these men are sharing complex thoughts and feelings. And yeah. it just seemed that that was my next step in my ascension as a, as a being here. You know, I built one company taking kids into the wilderness, then one company doing like executive retreats and helping people understand wellness in the workplace. And then as I became a dad, I said, oh, this is what needs to really be focused on because this is the biggest impact I could possibly make in my short time on the planet. I mean, sure. the vision is there are hundreds of thousands of dads, millions of dads, all part of dad's organization, all part of their local city chapters, which are part of their 
Western region, US, you know, Northern Canada. And the vision said, when you have a dad's org in a remote fishing village in Alaska and a dad's org in Mumbai, you know you will have succeeded. And it was just clear as day. I, I, you know, I threw everything I had at it, everything. That's I just cool. started putting all my time, energy, and resources into it with no, uh, with no sort of research or understanding or a real effective marketing plan. I just knew it was the right thing to do, and here we are. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that you are where you are and that you're doing what you're doing. I know it's going to have a tremendous impact because dads do need to get together and facilitating that. Uh, that's a remarkable thing. And that just that the thing about that is it doesn't just help the dads. It helps the families, too. And uh, it's it's got this beautiful ripple effect. Now, yeah, technically, the partners benefit the most because yeah. the fathers are healing generational trauma that is from their fathers and their society. And that's what we talk about. And a lot of the, the partners have shown a lot of graciousness towards us and have given kind of the blank check of their time because they know it's a value. And when they come home, they're better. Sure. And the reality is, is like when I teach my kids, I'm teaching them from all of the knowledge that my father and uncles and aunts and grandmothers gave me. But when I go to dad's org and there's a prompt around, what do you do with the kid around fear? And then I hear 10 dads share their 10 father's wisdom. Now, all of a sudden I've got, 10 other representative families from behind me coming to support my kids. And I've modified behaviors and the ways that I've behaved based on clearer thinking or a better outlet or a different approach that I hadn't seen. And I think that's yeah. really important to recognize is no one made us awesome dads. You got to soup up a muscle car. You know what I mean? You got to spend right. the time putting in the parts. Yep. Yeah. I th and I think that's a really good point. And so often people think that, you know, the best teacher's experience. And it's not. The best teacher is typically other people's experience. And when you can gather their experience in that sort of a format and just really, you know, soup yourself up, you're just, you're setting yourself up for tremendous success, especially as a father. So uh, love that. Love what you're doing with dad's organization. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're a single dad. So Correct. let me start here first. Uh, how many kids do you have? I have two. I have a 13-year-old daughter, and in a couple of days, I'll have an 8-year-old son. Very cool. Okay, so 13 and 8. Now, how long ago were you divorced? So I'd probably say it would have been six-ish years ago. Okay. So I've had quite a bit of a run, and I've learned a lot through it because I've been a longtime educator. So everything I'm doing, I'm learning, studying, approaching it with a growth mindset. So I've discovered a lot along the way. Okay. 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 So I, I think you're going to be a great voice for the conversation um, on the whole co-parenting thing. And this is something that I think isn't talked about enough. Um, so at the time you were divorced, you have about a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, so I do want to ask some things about that. But I do want to just kind of preface this conversation with, as a Christian, I know that within church culture, while we don't, you know, advocate and promote divorce, it does happen. And sometimes there are grounds for it. And sometimes maybe not, maybe not in the eyes of everyone. But the reality is divorce still happens and you still end up having single moms and single dads with kids. And now they're trying to navigate this new reality. 
There's also widows and widowers. Let's not forget yeah, about them. Yeah, exactly. Still, exactly. I have a friend. He's happily married. She had a stroke, and she's basically going to be in a in the hospital indefinitely. And wow. he's become a single dad. And so yeah. I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, man, look, I know you you're married. And I know you love your wife, but I also know you're making all three kids lunches every day now." And he's like, "How'd you know?" I mean, like, yeah, I get you know. And I'm like, "Listen, man, you're technically a single dad, and there yeah. is going to be new ways you have to approach this stuff." Yep. Yep, absolutely. But I do think when it comes to your particular situation uh, where there is divorce and you still have, when when you divorce as a father, I don't think that you can ever view that as a fresh start because it's not because you still have all the broken. It's devastating too. It's also probably the greatest blemish on a man's life. You know, yes. at the end of the day, not being able to tuck his kids in at night is absolutely yeah. wow. devastating, like yeah. devastating. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's tough. And I, I know you can just look at some of the statistics and you can see the impact that divorce typically has on kids on average. And it's it's not great. It's not. I mean, if divorce was a good thing for kids, you'd probably see way no, more of it. No, it's bad news. And I had, yeah. to, I had to calculate all of that in in the decision-making process. You know, I did everything yeah. I could to be honorable and work as hard as I could for my family. And at the end of the day, she just had a different direction she wanted to go. And sure. um, that was first for most people that go through divorce, they generally experience a huge gravity of loss or a huge gravity of, of emotionality. Because there's just so much going on. You can say in a best case scenario, two adults get together, they, they make a plan, they shake hands, they have universal, they have rules between the homes, and, and off they go. That's the very best case scenario. And generally speaking, not as common. Um, ultimately, courts tend to get involved. Um, mediation is a different option where maybe you don't want to go to court but ultimately you do have to decide who gets the kid when holidays what about passports these kinds of things happen and that's all part of co-parenting you know who's going to make the decisions like who brings the kids to the dentist because when you're sitting in your your kitchen with your your husband or wife you're just making the plan together now you have to send a message wait a day a week a month to get an answer um, maybe they're upset and so you can't get functional information out for the kids. So it, be, it can become very difficult just to be a good dad. But sure. that's not in all situations. But mine has been more tenuous than some, you know. Sure, sure. Well, I want to pick this conversation up from the point of you're divorced as a father because everyone's going to have different reasons as to why they got divorced. And sometimes I would imagine that the reason could have a greater impact on what happens following. But sure. for today's conversation, you got a divorce. We don't need to know why. We don't want to know why, but it happened. Now, you know that it's coming. And since you've been there, you've done that, you're on the journey of this. What would you advise when it comes to having a conversation? I, I'm a big believer in communication and I think conversations are crucial. So I would imagine if I was in the situation and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I know I'm kind of making some assumptions here, but if I was in that situation, I would imagine that for the sake of the kids, I would imagine that my wife would value the kids. I would value the kids that we would come together and have some sort of a conversation about what we're going to do to keep their best interest, knowing all of the statistics of what happens a lot of times with the brokenness of the family. Yeah. Would you say that, 
let me let me ask it this way: When should that conversation happen? If you think it should happen, and what does that conversation look like? Well, the first thing you have to understand is when uh, when people are decoupling, conversations are difficult. There's usually yelling, crying, feeling. You're coming from this place of, oh, I have this solution that I need to fix and let's just talk it out. And most of the time, maybe there was infidelity. Maybe there was, uh, you know, X, Y, Z. So first and foremost, you don't always get that conversation. So for the listeners out there that are thinking about divorce, like you're divorcing for a reason. You're, You're losing someone who no longer is able to partnership with you. So starting with a healthy and productive conversation is, is more challenging than you would imagine, because if you could have a healthy and productive conversation, you wouldn't be getting divorced. So sure. first, when you are potentially looking at divorce, you want to potentially talk to people that have gone through it to look for the pitfalls. For example, that's us right now. For the listener that's thinking about it, listen, it's not easier on the other side. There's going to still be challenges. But you do have to sit with your the parent and say, Basically, the first thing you have to decide is what does custody look like? And then the next thing you have to decide is what does child support look like? Those are your two biggest pieces. Are you doing week on, week off? Are you doing 225, 223? These are all the terms that are used. And that's like Monday and Tuesday is always moms. Wednesday and Thursday is always dads. Then you flip the weekends. That's called 225. You get your kids for five days at a time. 223 is you know, Monday and Tuesday is moms, but the next week, Monday and Tuesday is dads. The smaller the days are better for younger kids. And as they get older, you want to do week on, week off. Now, this is where I failed in those conversations is we started with week on, week off, but it was a little much for the younger kids. So then we went to 225, then 12223, but then realized as the kids were much older, 223 was kind of out of whack. So we went back to 225. So the first conversation is, how are we going to share these children? Um, some people move away, and then it's summers and school years. Some people live right down the street and don't see their kids ever again, whether it's the mom or the dad. I mean, there are, you talk to some of your friends, and some of them have probably had a parent that wasn't around. And that just happens. There are, you know, I had a friend who was a dad, and Mom went into rehab and the whole thing, and that was that. And he raised his kids alone, and she never really showed any interest to come back. There is a listener out there that's experienced that. No matter how good you think we all are, there everybody's out there dealing with some mental illness or an addiction or something. So when you're having those conversations, it's best to have a professional if needed, and that's where mediation comes in. And a mediator is a several thousand dollars, but it's a person who's trained to make you both feel calm enough to get the information out. And to make sure that they are guiding you to a resolution beyond all the hurt. There's so much hurt initially that it's hard to even make logical sense. I at times had to call friends and say, hey, man, do you really think I'm crazy? And do you think I'm all these things? And they're like, what are you talking about? But I was just being bombarded constantly with attacks that I had to like check myself. And so I think a lot of people struggle with them being a failure or a failure before God to, to have these kinds of divorces. But in the end, you have to have the conversation, then you have to calculate the pay. And that's the beginning of it all. Got There's it. a whole nother story about the management of it all. So we'll talk about the management of it all. So in relation to the management, it's kind of like what I was saying is you don't just set it and forget it. Children are like plants. And sometimes if they're in the wrong corner or too much light or not enough water, they, they are diminished. And so 
the best laid plan isn't always the best. So we started with the week on week off, but I couldn't take meetings on the weeks that I had the kids. And so it was harming kind of the way I was doing work. And it was probably a little too long for the kids. So when we switched it and I knew I had two locked in days always with the kids that I knew would never change, then I would keep those days more open for work. And I would populate the days that I didn't have the kids and stack my work really high. And I think that's something you have to learn too, is you're used to a partner and you're used to your division of labor. And when there is a divorce, you have to figure it all out. The groceries, the cleaning, the pickups, the drop-offs and the calendaring. So what my partner, ex-partner and I now do is we have a set day that we meet once a week for an hour over the phone and we recalendar each couple of weeks to make sure we have our standardized approach. But then like, for example, I'm going to lead a group of men in uh, Montreal on Sunday, which changes our, our calendar, but it's, I'm going for work and she's okay with that. And so she makes modifications and I make modifications because that's what's best for the kids. Yeah. Um, but in the past, it was hard for her. I, it was hard for me to get a clear answer for certain modifications. She wasn't in a place where she wanted to work with me at the expense of the children. And that's also not uncommon. You know? So is that something that takes time? What was it that ultimately kind of flipped the switch to where you were getting um, some accommodation on that end? Well, you know, it's interesting about that. I think for some people, they get to it right away. For other people, and this is where I went wrong, I tried to kind of do it grassroots. Hey, let's meet, let's talk it through. But most of the wiser people around me said, look, just bring it to court, have it all documented, organize it all, and then just you've got something to work off of. Because what was happening is, is I was supposed to be the kids Sunday through you know Wednesday, and she just wouldn't bring them. And that is also something that it can be common where there's challenges or the kid doesn't want to go one house or the other. And so that that also plays into it because, you know, at mom's house, there's video games and at dad's house, there's not. And so if somebody's really loving video games and being on their headset with their friends, they feel like it's a loss to come here. But of course, I make up with it with jujitsu and soccer and drum lessons and other chess club. So, you know, you, you just have to do the best you can and keep working the process. And I think people that get stuck and don't evaluate it from time to time, just keep doing business as usual. And there's always ways to improve. Yeah. I, I want you to talk about something you just mentioned. Um, you talked about how sometimes the kids might not want to go to the other house because They've got all the stuff that they like at, say, mom's house, and they don't want to come to dad's house. And I know as men, when it comes to our emotions, we typically try to suppress things. We don't try. We're not giddy, and we just tell everyone, I'm having the worst day of my life, or last month was so horrible. We're not that way. We, we try to hide things. We put on this facade, and we act like we're big, rough, and tough. And that's just typically the way that most men are wired. Now, can you talk about maybe dealing with the emotional, because that's got to be a gut punch. You, you know, you've gone through this divorce. Yeah. You already talk about the stain on the reputation that you mentioned earlier. And then your kid is, they might not be saying that I don't want to be around you, but it could, I would imagine that that could easily, easily be translated into that because, you know, your house yeah. isn't as accommodating. Can you talk about emotionally dealing with that and maybe how to properly deal with that. Sure. There's a couple of really big emotional markers. 
The first emotional marker is the decision to break up. The next emotional marker is when you pack all your stuff up or they pack up all their stuff or you figure out who's living where. The next emotional marker is um, pass off. And pass off is when you're with the kids for three days and then you have to pass them off. And then you go back home, you clean up all their stuff and now the house is cold and empty. And that is a, has a potential to feel devastating. And you go through a range of emotions there but what I've heard from others and what I've learned myself is you, the initial shock and pain of like not tucking your kids in or doing bath time or going for that walk at night, that doesn't ever really go away for me. Like when I'm at an airport and I see a couple with a baby stroller and they're hand in hand and I always travel with my kids alone to go home to family, I'm always like, man, that's just not there. You know, it wasn't in this lifetime for me. You know, it's not my will, it's thy will. God has a plan. Like I'm not bigger than God, you know? And so the next emotional marker is if the partner starts dating or you start dating. And in my instance, my partner eventually got remarried. So then there's this marker of like, Hey, can I take the guy out to, to lunch? He's going to be, you know, tucking the kids in at night. I'd, I'd like to look him in the eyes and check in with them and also share a few basic things. You know, I was like, yeah. and I basically said, if you're going to be in the house and there's like an intruder, I, I hope you lay your life down on the line for those children because I can't yeah. be there. And that's like a weird evolutionary thing. My children are being overseen by another person. And I'm like right down the street wanting to see them, yeah. wanting to be with them all day. So for the emotion, what I find is I want to see them. So I try to sneak in the moments that are additional. Like, can I walk into school on mom's days? Can I bring them to soccer to help out mom on mom's days? But I will tell you, I cried a lot. And I had older men that had remarried or whatnot, and they, they would, you know, sit me down and be like, yep, it's bad. Yep, it hurts. You know, they didn't tell me what to do or where to go, but they held the space. And those guys really reminded me that eventually you dust yourself off, you get back to your workouts, you try to regain emotional composure because, you know, like... I'm, work, I'm coaching this gal who is an executive and she's saying she's having a hard time with the guy. And I said, what's going on in his personal life? And she said, well, he's going through a divorce. And I said, let's just stop for a second. This isn't about work anymore. This is about you being a humanitarian because that guy's gut is being torn out of his body and he's going to work and you're giving him a hard time about some you know, deadline being missed. His family is coming apart. And I, I want you to consider that from my perspective. I was fortunate that I worked for myself, but even then I still had to step down from my company. I wasn't capable of working without as many supports as others had. And so I had to do a lot of deep soul searching, book reading, and eventually find other men who went through it to gain more composure. And this is what's unique. Now I need a new dad who's six months out of a divorce. And I'm like, light years down. I'm happy for my ex. We go for, we'll take the kid for a walk every once in a while up to school together. Um, things are better enough. You know, yeah. she's in nursing school, so she's focused on other things. Um, but it's still hard to accept that no matter how hard you tried, it wasn't in the cards. And I know a sure. lot of other guys that have tried at the expense of their mental health, their finances, even their children's health to keep the family together, you know, and, and, and that's a hard pill to swallow when you know you're hurting your kids being there and it's going to hurt to not be there, but then you have yeah. to make that decision.
Because that's ultimately what I had to figure out. Could I raise my kids the, the values and the, the beliefs that my family raised with me, which community connection, bring them to the park? Or do I, did I have to keep surrendering unhealthy ways to raise the kids? And eventually it just wasn't possible. There was too much of a conflict and that's difficult. Now, I would imagine that at some point you had to have a conversation with the kids. I know at, this, at the point the divorce happened, you have about a seven-year-old and about a two-year-old. So there might not be you know, a deep conversation that happens with the two-year-old, but I'd imagine that there'd be a, a decent conversation that could have happened with the seven-year-old. What was we that did like? that just, just to jump into it. We, under the guidance of therapy uh, with therapists, you know, we, we first had to decide were we working for this or was this going to be a dissolution? And then if it was a dissolution, how did we work with the kid? And I'll never forget it. It was very uncomfortable. My daughter was my little best buddy. And we said, hey, you know, you know how mom and dad have been arguing a lot and there's been difficulty. Dad's going to be moving down the street. And she said, when? And I said, Friday. And she said this, I, I, I swear, she said, I'm not upset that you two are creating space, but I am upset that you didn't give me enough time because it's Tuesday and you're moving out on Friday. Wow. Wow. What are you supposed to say to that? Like, it was like hard stop for both of us. Yeah. Like, did I do it wrong? Should I have told her earlier? I, I hadn't, I'd never, how do you know what the response is going to be in the first place? Sure. But you know, that was, that was pretty hard for her, but she, yeah. she did the best she could for a while. And then there were some other challenges that came up for her own personal life. But ultimately she was a trooper and my son was still kind of a maniac baby. So it didn't really matter. He's running around smashing yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> and, and I chose specifically to live walking distance away from them. And, you know, I didn't change school districts. I didn't, you know, try to bring in expensive lawyers and harm the family. And some people do out of pain. Right. And we right. have to remember love is the ultimate solution for all of this. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's a good point to drive home. Love, love's got to stay. It's got to stay at the center, especially if beyond the divorce, you still have the aspiration of being the dad that your kids need you to be. I mean, if you still want to grow with them and, and be that leader that they need, you, you, I don't think you can really function in the pain and in this vein of revenge and still get to that point at, at some point, if it happens, it happens. But if, I think there has to be some sort of uh, reconciling there, even within yourself, just to yeah come to like this repentant state of, you know what, I was wrong and why, and, and why I did this and how I did this. I'll say my apologies. Uh, and then I'm going to go forward differently. I'm going to go forward in love. I, I think that's one of, that's one of the really hardest things thing. to see though, is how many men are excluded from their children, decent, kind, loving, hardworking men that are excluded from their children. Some States have it that it's basically it goes right to mom and call it a day. Um, wow. other states and other places and other men that I've spoken to, they've had all sorts of things lobbied against them that turned out to be completely untrue. And I'll give you a simple example. I, I knew someone, um, the wife, the ex, soon to be ex, you know, was pretty unstable, but she took out a restraining order for my friend who was a city worker, had no criminal records, totally decent guy. 
um, altar boy at the local church, good person. And um, she called him one day and she said, can you please drop off diapers um, in the driveway? Just toss them in the driveway. I'm out of diapers and I please do it. And he said, okay, sure. And she basically set him up so that as soon as she, he dropped off the diapers, she called 911 violation of the whatchamacallit. And, uh, you know, he lost his job and ended up having to deal with the court system because she was upset about the experience that they were having. And, you know, that was a, a pretty hard hit. It was one of my closest friends. Yeah. You know, these are decent people. And when people's emotions are, are high, crimes of passion occur. People will make up stories. And and it's it's so hard. I know a dad right now who who is spending hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars just to be able to see his children. And um, that is not uncommon. I know right now that there are some of you men out there that are almost unable to even want to see your kids because you have to deal with your ex. And I'm just going to tell you now, don't quit. Stay strong. Remember the love. Go through the courts. Do whatever you have to do to be that decent father, even if you have to deal with the most challenging human being you have ever faced in your life, do it for your kids. Because I even got to moments where I wanted to quit. It had become that uncomfortable just to be able to see when I could see my kid. I had to go through enormous amounts of difficulty. And, um, you know, you guys don't know how good you have it. I, I, I was going to ask you, you know, what, what would you advise to to a, a man going through that. But I think you just answered the question, you know, whatever it takes, you stick with it, you endure the heartache. I, I would just imagine that, and maybe I'm wrong for, you know, making the stance and saying that I could imagine this, but I would just think years down the road, when your kids are old enough to be out of the house and on their own, and if they want to come see you because you're their father, they can. Mm -hmm. I'm just imagine that would be a really hard conversation if your kid asked you, you know, where'd you go? Why'd you give up? I, yeah, I, I, I would imagine that for that reason alone, almost, I would want to just stick with it as agonizing as it might be. And, you know, to, to share another story, I knew this guy, literally a diamond salesman. You know, we're not talking about people that get divorced or are just broke or having a hard time. This guy was sure. doing great. He was in a beautiful, uh, he had beautiful kids. They went through divorce and um, there's this thing called parental alienation. That's when a parent speaks poorly about the other parent to, to a degree that the other kids, they feel uncomfortable going around that parent because they've been told all these terrible things. So anyways, this uh, diamond salesman friend of mine, actually I met in a downtown men's Christian group meeting, he said, um, you know, it was really crazy. My kids basically wrote me off for five or six years. They wouldn't call me. They tore up my birthday cards. And that was really, really, really painful, really painful. And I, could, I didn't know anything about them in a sense. And when they turned about 18, 19, 20, they started to see some of the behaviors from their mom that seemed abnormal in comparison to other friends in college. And as you know, when you're 18, you're seeing other families, other people. And he said one of the craziest moments of his life when his parents, his, his kids called him and they said, we were duped. We love you. You always showed up for us. You were always there for us and we're sorry. And he was like, that was music to my ears. Like, could you imagine? Yeah. You know, I got another friend. He ran into an argument with his daughter and she kind of ran off and uh, he found her in the uh, dressing room of a store 
And she's yelling in the dressing room. People are calling the cops. And he's like, he's like, he's a nurse at this top hospital. He's like, look, I'm here. I've got my license. This is my daughter. Cops are here. They're like, oh, you got a teenage daughter. No big deal. We understand. Everything checks out. And so she was like, I want to stay at mom's after this. Because they were going for a walk in the woods. And he was like, so what's going on? It seems like we're having some difficulties together. And I want to bridge the gap and make it better. And she didn't want to talk about it. So she ran off. And and uh, it's actually been four years since she's talked to her, since my wow. friend has been able to, he's tried every kind of effort to make an effort to speak with her. He loves her. And yeah. that's what happens. You know, she's now part of the state because the mom was drinking too much and the grandmom wouldn't allow him to see her. And this is every day for guys. I could go on and on and on. I mean, that's why yeah. male suicide is one of the n number one causes of death for guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. some guys they just go to see their kid at the school they haven't seen in three years, and then they get an Amber Alert, or you know, they get arrested just by trying to see the kid. Imagine right now if someone told you you weren't allowed to see your kids for a year, what yeah. would you do? How would you respond? Yeah, it'd be devastating. It's hard. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I can't imagine. And I, I've heard some of these horror stories, and it's sad that people have to go through this. Um, so let's 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 do this because. I think I think this brings us back to community and I'd like to spend a little more time there before we close things up. But as just uh, while it's a process, I understand that it is a journey and there's no you know cheat code for how to navigate this situation. Can you just summarize what we've talked about so far with co-parenting and give just a few takeaway tips for sure. men going through this just to really meditate on and to think about yeah number one don't speak poorly of the other parents it doesn't mean you have to build them up constantly about things that don't feel honest but don't speak poorly of the parent number two it's best if you have some shared rules between homes it's a best practice if bedtime's 8 p.m at mom's bedtime's at 8 p.m at dad's that's just the best practice if you can take a co-parenting class or be court ordered to take a co-parenting class, that's a class that gives you tools and strategies to be able to navigate this. And the third is to um, look at it sometimes as a business relationship, a business professional relationship. Remember, the windshield is a lot bigger than the rear view mirror. And so when you're having a conversation for your kid, you don't go back and talk about the past hurt, the blame, the trauma, the whatever it is that caused the stuff. It, you talk about does the kid want to go into band or does she want to go to yoga? You know, you think about things that are going to benefit the children and then focus on benefiting the children. And lastly, you know, you might have different dietary structures at your house than moms. You might have different activities than at moms. And at the end of the day, as long as the children are being harmed, you have to accept that you don't get to parent your child when they're not with you. So if bedtime is 1130 on a school night at mom's, you don't get to, to really do anything about that. So what you do get to do is learn acceptance, uh, learn advocacy, um, maybe negotiation techniques to be like, hey, instead of 11, how about 10? And if we do 10, how about I pay for the kids, you know, water polo or something to lighten the load? Let's work together. Um, and then lastly, the most important thing is, you have to take care of your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, and your spiritual health. And you have to understand that this isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. 
And at the end of the day, there will be growth in learning that occurs. So be the best possible father you could be. Leverage other fathers who are successful or that you admire or respect and emulate and imitate what they do. You know, if, if, they're, if there's a father-son volunteering event that one of your friends is going to, see if you can sign up and go to that fa father volunteering event with your son too. Because when you're overwhelmed or racked with emotion, you have to look at the people who have stabilized, who are doing well, and let them know. You know, there's been a few times I just said to some of the moms, like, hey, I'm not the best at doing all these birthday invites and things like that. Can you show me a system that works best on the school app? Because I want to still make sure I'm doing, you know, what other functional parents are doing while I'm going through the hardest things of my life. There's sure. nothing easy about not being with your kids when you want to be. Yeah, yeah. No, but stay with it, man. We've got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. I love the we. We've got you. It's, it's going back to that community, being willing to ask for help, even if it's for something as simple as, how do I send out this birthday invitation to, to other kids at the school? Yeah. Reaching out and being involved with other dads and their kids and just... They're having all role models in your life moms. that you can emulate. You know, moms have stroller programs and mommy and me programs and toddler time events, but there's not as many things. It's, there's not like workout in this workout in the field with your son in the stroller program. You right. know, there's women naturally uh, communicate with each other in in groups. They go to the bathroom together, even six of them. Yeah. You know, like they're just you know aunts talk around the table after the dinner. You know, and men. Don't do that as much. That's why, you know, men get caught with these cancers where women have all this, you know, breast reduction, all this stuff that they talk about openly, whereas yeah. we have the prostate that no one ever talks about, you know? Right. So yeah. we as men need to look out for other men. And that's what I say is keep your chin up. And when you can't, you got to tell another dad because yeah. you got to say, hey, I'm not feeling good about my dad and or I'm not feeling like I'm, I'm holding it together. You yeah. ask any other dad something like that, they're going to give you reassurance because that's what dads do. We stay strong for the kids. And when yeah. someone comes to us and says, I'm feeling scared, I'm not sure what to do, dad's going to say that and be like, that must have taken him a lot to tell me that. And because yeah. of that, I'm going to make sure I'm going to give him the time. And that's what yep. dad's works for. Yep, yep. And that's awesome. I, I love that. Just because... Yeah, like you said, as men, we, we so often keep things, you know, really close to the chest. We take pride in being able to do things on our own. And it's almost like we, in some sense, crave that isolation to be able to say, yeah, I, I did that all by myself. Just there's pride that we take in that. Yeah. And I think it's, I'll say it this way. I, I think if any dad who feels broken, emotionally vulnerable, down and depressed, if you were to ask any other dad on this planet, if they've ever experienced that, if they're experiencing it right now, or just open up about the way you feel, I don't think there's a single dad who would say, I have no idea what that's like. Because right. every dad has problems. Every dad. Even affluent dads with beautiful marriages of 30 yes. years. You know, yes. and, and I will share a quick story on that. I knew a dad who was having a hard time with his son. And I said, hey, you know, have you ever read the business book, Good to Great? Yep, absolutely. Have you ever read Simple Numbers? Absolutely. And I went through five or six business books. And then I said, how many books have you read about raising an adolescent man? 
And he literally, like a tear went down his face. I called him out out of a place of love. I'm like, yeah. you've got every resource, you've got all this money, you've read every business book, and that's what you've got. Lots of business. But yeah. now you're like, I mean, you're you're go almost going to blows with your son, you know? And it's like, you go to church like three times a week, and you're about to hit your son, like maybe read up on what's happening between you two. And they have everything. So it's like, even in the most, the tops and at the bottoms, you know, it's, yeah. we're all going through a hard time sometime, and we are not individual creatures we are a communal species that's you know right. that's how it works we're pack people and all those yep. families that are isolated out in those communities there there's not as much of the central meeting house anymore and you know suburbia can hurt families in a way because they're not meeting on a regular basis and and you know talking together with aunts and uncles and and without connection we fall apart as a species it's just naturally how we're designed we're hardwired yeah. to help each other you yeah. know no i i i did a whole episode on this several weeks back just on how god designed us to be in relationship with other people and to be in community we were not created to be this solo species where i can just i can do it and i don't need anybody else that's a lie that is that is spoken way too loudly in culture today that you can do this. You don't need anybody else. That's not true. Yeah. Dynast that individualism weakens us yeah, and we have sure to be does. careful of that individualism. Sure. We are at the end of the day, it's up to our mindset and us to work out us to read books, us to self-develop, but at really we are a, we're collective and right. you know, we need each other to get places. Right. You know, and we all really of those do. things. Yeah. And all of those things we can choose to do with others. And I think if we will, we'll go that much further. Uh, that, there's just, a great saying there. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. So yeah. ancient African yeah. proverb. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's just it, man. You get five people together. You've got a mathematician. You've got a creative artist. You've got a relationship master. You know, that's what the skill set is. You've got the, right. the blacksmith and you've got the gardener. You, right. you need them all. You need those right. people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to do this to, to kind of start to wrap things up. When we talked about the whole co-parenting thing, I know it, it's a it's a tough subject that might get some people down because it's not really a happy topic. And we shared right. a lot of kind of problem stories. But with dad's but organization, in the best case, people work together and then you make a plan and then you share the plan together. And that's how right. it works. Right. Well, I, I, I'm sure that in dad's organization, too, that you've probably got some wins. Maybe it's wins with single dads. Maybe it's just other wins in general. But is there any win that maybe you've heard recently or that you can recall that you can share with us today? Boy, you know, the thing is, when we meet, the stuff that comes out is so ridiculously good. You have no idea. Like, I did a prompt because I was the facilitator. I, I can share and I don't need to share anything else. But one of the prompts I did was, if your father was sitting right here right now and couldn't say anything to you, what would you tell him? And there was shivers in the group. The group fell dead silent. Some of them don't have their dad anymore. You know, like my mom just passed away, but I still got my dad. He's 81. He's going hunting. He's doing just fine. Um, another one that uh, we shared, that someone shared with us was, ask your children, how do I show you love? And don't say anything. 
and then report back on our WhatsApp group. And it was crazy. You know, I said, Jasper, how do I show you love? And he said, yeah. every time you help me put my shirt on, you tickle me. And that was his answer. And he's like, that's yeah. love to me. You know, yeah. it's like human connection, human contact. Um, I think on a structural level, one of the biggest wins we had was we got some life insurance for a couple of dads. My brother passed away suddenly and left three teenage sons and, and didn't have his life insurance in place. Um, I had a friend with a $30 million company and passed away in a helicopter accident, didn't have life, didn't have a will in place. So I came to these guys and I said, hey, listen, this is important stuff. And it might feel morbid, but y'all need to get your life insurance in order because at the end of the day, when we're gone, who's going to look after the kids? And so that was a big win. A couple of us, you know, took care of some really important things. You know, I opened up some custodial IRAs for my kid doing some research because I'm a business owner. And, you know, I think those are the kinds of things that we learn. And those are big wins, you know? Yeah, they absolutely are. They are huge wins. Just, I think especially they're big wins with men, with husbands, with fathers, because those are conversations that we will never have on our own. Those are things that we will never just sit and contemplate by ourselves. We will try to push through and figure out and learn how to suppress more and more. But, you know, what would you say to your dad or asking your kid, how do I show you love? Those are, those are deep insights that we all need. And I love that that stuff's coming out in your group, dad's organization. Ryan, take a moment and one more time, let everyone know how they can be a part of dad's organization. Uh, just give them the details. Sure. So you can check us out online, dadsorg.com, or you can go to all of our socials, dad's organizations on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on TikTok, even though I don't think I've ever logged into the Instagram one. But nonetheless, uh, I have help, I have staff doing that. Um, yeah. Info at dad's organization. Or, you know, if somebody really knows you, Anthony, and they want to call you, you've got our contact information. You, you can get in touch with us through there. Um, but at the end of the day, man, if you're listening out there, I got you. I'm looking out for you. You are not alone. And even if you think you have it all dialed in, you can never be too secure in learning and growing as a father because there's a lot of malarkey out there in that world. And it's up to yeah. us to shed the light and not to master. Yep. Yep. I love that. All right. Well, if you're listening, you go check out dadsorg.com. Ryan, before I let you go, I want to know it can be about what we talked about or it can be just totally in general for fathers, what's the best piece of advice you have for dads today? If you have a partner, schedule in date night every Thursday and it never shifts. The day is blocked out. Of the successful friends that I know who have great marriages, who have everything most people dream of, that's one of the things that I've seen universally is they have a locked in scheduled date night, put on the cologne, dress up a little bit doesn't have to be dinner every night but treat your lady like she was that girl that you fell in love with x amount of years ago and remind yourself that she could go at any time so you know put up the effort get out the flowers say the nice things write a little note and put it in her pocket so that she finds it three days later um you got to make the deposits because you don't want to get overdrawn and once you're overdrawn it's too late and now's the time to rebuild, repair, and correct any sort of uh, troubles that you might be hearing in your relationship. Because when you drive down the road and your car is making a funny sound and you just keep driving, 
it eventually becomes non-operational. So now's your chance to double down your efforts and give it the very best. Maybe she's cold, maybe she's angry, maybe she doesn't want to go on a date, but you keep showering that love. Leave cards, leave notes, make time, uh, and eventually those deposits will pay off. That's beautiful advice. Uh, as someone who's married, who probably doesn't do enough date nights, my wife actually told me the other day, she was like, you know what, we need a date. It's been really crazy around here. She's been traveling. I've been doing other things. It's It's been nuts. The dates, the consistent dates, they they make a difference. It's something yeah, small, make, but make it's, time it's for wellness. If you make yeah. time for wellness, dis-ease won't make time for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Ryan, thank you so much for everything that you shared. I know that you shared some stuff that I don't have the ability to share that I know dads need to hear. And I'm grateful that you opened up, were vulnerable enough to share that. And I know you made a difference today in some dad's lives. So thank you for that. Again, check out dadsorg.com. And Ryan, I'm sure we'll do this again sometime. Yes, sir. Always here to support you. And when you're on the West Coast, let us know. So a couple of takeaways to remember. One, you can do this. It will be a challenge, but you can do it. It's worth doing, so do it. The second thing, community really helps. We were not designed to be solo creatures. We were not designed to try and do all of this by ourselves. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, even if it's not even divorce related or related to what this episode was about, if you find yourself struggling, you need community. And if things are great and dandy, you still need community because there's coming a day where things won't be. And if you have people who are with you on this journey, it really, really helps. Now, there's one other thing that I want to echo that Ryan shared, and that was his tip for dads. Make sure you have a date with your wife every week. Now, I understand once a week sometimes is a struggle. Once a month is typically a little more practical. But the point is, if you are married, keep your marriage strong. If you are married and your marriage is struggling, do whatever you can to make it strong again. Salvage your marriage. It is the greatest institution for your kids. If your kids can see you and your wife coexisting and loving one another, going through life together, going through struggles and triumphs together, if your kids can see that, that is one of the greatest illustrations of relationships, love, grace, and endurance that your kids can see. So whatever you have to do, do it. Because just like fathering after divorce, it's worth it. Your marriage is worth it. And it is going to be a tremendous tool for you to be the father that your kids need you to be. Thank you so much for being with me. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. I hope you'll join me next time.
Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.